Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. Lindy, g'day. We've got a slight difference to the unpacking this month. Yes, we certainly do. So it has been a very big month of packaging news, and um, we are now joined by Kim Berry, <laughs> who's not here in sunny Australia, but she's over the waters and far away in Ireland. Hello, Kim. Hello. It's um. I might not come back. <laughs> I love it. I, well, I see you've got a my new climate. I see you have a new um, castle as a house. <laughs> Yes, I live in a castle now and uh, the weather is very, very variable, but there is a predominance of uh, cold, wind and rain and they're my three favourites. So I'm as happy as a clam. And you have a new, you have a new set of wheels to take you around. I've seen you pictured on a forklift. This is, this is correct. So I'm actually in Ireland uh, courtesy of a machine handling company CombiLift that is celebrating its 25th anniversary and I've spent a couple of days up in Mona Manan Mahan it's spelt Monahan but let's of course not pronounce it like that and uh during their remarkable factory and yes yes I did get to uh, drive a forklift and I'm putting that down as a bit of a career highlight I have to say I love the pictures um I was very nervous that you might be thinking of quitting your day job <laughs> No. <laughs> so um, just a quick one on CombiLift, which of course is also a PKN Packaging News client as well. Uh, will they be bringing some of those new products that they've launched to the trade show Apex next year? They certainly will be. And I was talking to their Australian uh, manager, Chris Littlewood about that and he said yes they're going to have a big presence at uh, Apex next year and they regard that as one of their their main shows that they that they do and you know some of their announcements uh, over you know this the last couple of days were really spectacular one in particular is that they're entering the renewable energy market uh, with one of their with a new piece of equipment that carries and can transport the wind turbine blades for offshore wind turbines. Now, if you imagine that the, the, that these are generally about 115 metres long, uh, the scale of this project that they've been doing with Siemens is it's just it's really impressive, just in terms of the uh, the innovation really and um and that was one thing that we re I really got from the visit as well is Martin McVicker who's one of the founders the company started you know with, with with two people and it now has 800 and he still talks about the fact that they their growth and and the potential and the and the opportunities to to develop new and better equipment it's really it was really infectious 
Well, I'm so thrilled that you've had that wonderful experience. And um, from my own part, when we travel overseas and we learn new things and we see amazing sights and innovation, it really is very enriching. I've been traveling a bit this month too. Um, just back you sure from, have. <laughs> just back from Las Vegas now, um, where Pack Expo took place. And um, I'm, I think I'm almost over my jet lag. Kim, I hope you get over yours as quickly as I do. But now um, we'll speak about Pack Expo a little bit further along in the in this session let's let's look at the big stories this month and one of the first uh, stories from the big end of town was that aurora group announced that it is making a strategic move to acquire the france-based global bottle manufacturer saverglass for an enterprise value of 2.15 billion dollars not no small change kim um, <laughs> And in news today that we published, Aurora has successfully raised the money now from investors and the retail sector and uh, some financing debt that it will take on. And the acquisition is going to add more than a quarter to Aurora's revenues of 4.3 billion, with Saverglass sales reaching 1.2 billion in 2022. So uh, the deal will help take it to a position of one of the world's biggest glass bottle manufacturers. Saverglass already has a 33% market share in the high-end spirits bottles markets. Now, Aurora has, is big in wine and beer, has some um, workings in the premium sector, but this will really boost its, its leveraging in that area. Around two-thirds of Saverglass revenue comes from the high-end bottles market, and the rest is from premium wine bottles. So it's premium all the way when it comes to Saverglass. And so... Uh now, what's the operational structure going to look look like? It's moving into that real global presence. Yeah, so what? from what I understand, uh, Saverglass will become the centrepiece of Aurora's global glass bottle unit. Um, so Aurora has a facility here in Australia, the Gawler facility in, in Adelaide, um, whereas Saverglass has got, well, I don't know, several plants um, offshore. But the Saverglass management team will remain with the business and will become integrated as part of Aurora's business as well. And Aurora has got the huge US markets in its sights with this acquisition. And Brian Lowe, CEO of Aurora, said that it's a strategic acquisition that strengthens our existing glass business, establishing Aurora as a global scale, I mean, a global player of scale. In, attractive, in these attractive premium segments. So it's really ramping up the business massively. Uh, and then still in the big end of town, in fact, it's potentially the biggest end of town if this deal goes through. While I was at PAC Expo Las Vegas, the news broke that two major players in paper-based packaging, Smurfit Kappa and Westrock, have signed a one an 11 billion US dollar transaction agreement to create what they describe as a global leader in sustainable packaging with unparalleled scale, quality, product, and geographic diversity. Those are big words, but um, <laughs> the, it will definitely be the biggest listed packaging company if this deal goes through. I, I tell you what, they're big words. They're also big numbers. <laughs> big numbers. <laughs> so $11 billion. Dollars. Crazy. So what will, what will it be called? What's the new entity going to be called? So it will be called Smurfit Westrock, so just a blending of the two names. And um, it blends their 
complementary paper-based packaging operations. And when it goes through, of course, subject to approvals in quarter two next year, it will create, as I said, the world's biggest paper and packaging company and the largest listed global packaging company by revenue. It's pegged at $34 billion combined annual revenue currently. Again, big numbers. Uh, so what does this mean? What's the impact for us, like in Australia? Well, in Australia, we um, have an operation called West Rock here, West Rock Oceania, which was um, the former Hanapak business that was acquired by West Rock several years ago. And the acquisition by Smurfit Kappa will now see the 200 staff at the New South Wales West Rock plant, which is out in Richmond, joining what will be 100,000 employees at the combined group, which will operate 500 converting operations, which has 67 mills producing 23 million tonnes of board annually. It's like, wow. Anyway, while I was on the West Rock stand at Pack Expo, I spent at least an hour on the stand because it was filled with so much packaging innovation there, paper-based innovation. Uh, things like carry handles. I can show you one of them here. You can, our viewers, our listeners won't see it. But this thing that I have here is called the Endura Grip, and it's cleverly has a byline, getting a handle on sustainability. But it's for putting over like heavy five-liter bottles of, of liquid, say like um, orange juice or something that you can carry like that. Um, and it, they've got heaps of, of innovations for carrying cans and packing cans and nesting cans, all paper-based. But the most interesting one I saw was how they have um, taken what would normally be a shrink tunnel a line that packs, say, a case of beer and then wraps it in a shrink tunnel with shrink wrapping. They've modified that shrink tunnel so that it wraps it in a paper wrapping. That's just a tight wrap, but it's not a shrink wrap. It's a paper wrap, and um, that means that companies with existing lines with shrink tunnels just do a small modification, and they can now wrap in paper. And when I spoke to them there, it was very clear to me how much innovation happens, not just on the material side, but integrating machinery innovation as well. So it's a very switched-on company, a great acquisition for Smurfit Kappa, um, and exciting times ahead for the company. I will, uh, and look, I think this, this notion of the innovation that's actually going on within these industries at the moment is just, it's really quite remarkable. And it was the same thing happening at CombiLift. And when I was talking to Martin McVicar, the CEO, he, he was telling me about how CombiLift is driven by working with, the, with their customers and what their customers want and need and that every single piece of machinery is customised to a client. And he was saying that the packaging industry is one of the biggest growth areas for the for the business. And because the packaging industry is changing and, and developing and innovating new products all the time, that the work that they, you know, the, the requests and, and the, the projects that they're doing with CombiLift are always moving forward. So I, I think it's um, it's really... I guess it's really encouraging to see that not only is the innovation within these industries, but they're then complementing each other to to really make sure the the savings or the increased productivity or the efficiencies do travel across, you know, their business. Yeah, and and it's certainly something. I, another thing that I saw. Uh, or rather heard a lot of in the dialogue at PAC Expo was how companies are developing these innovations, as you said, 
customer-centrically. So um, in the sustainability space, there was a lot of innovation on compostability, which I found quite surprising. If you think about it on a logical level, there isn't a lot of composting infrastructure available. But when I spoke to several people who were developing this material, they said, we're developing it for, as an option for brand owners because brand owners are asking for it. So despite the fact that the infrastructure isn't really ready to handle it yet, they're still developing those things, those materials, um, for the in-case, for the checklist, for the shopping list, for the client. So yes, of course, they had all the other options available too, but I found that quite interesting, that they're very, very much driven by what they understand the brand owner is looking for. Um, and, and another thing where there's a lot of innovation going on, of course, is in developing recycling infrastructure here in Australia. And one of the biggest players in that market in rigid plastics is Pack Group. And we've had some sort of like shattering or earth shattering news in that area because, and this is also in acquisitions, Australia's um, company, there's an Australian company called Kin Group, which is an investment company controlled by the wealth, wealthy Gaminda family. It has unveiled a bold takeover bid for Pact Group. Now, the Gaminda family has a deep-rooted history with Pact Group because the company was co-founded by Kin Group's chairman, Raphael Gaminda, or Rafi Gaminda, as many people know him, and his wife, Fiona, in 2002. The bid is valued at 234 million and it could potentially return pack group to familial hands, which will reshape the landscape of Australia's packaging industry um, in quite a significant way. Um, I would assume then that it would become unlisted. Uh, PACT has faced a series of challenges recently, including supply chain disruptions. Um, these are challenges that many businesses have faced. Inflationary pressures, fluctuating resin prices, labor constraints, and uh, macroeconomic uncertainty. But these factors have contributed to a decline in the company's share price, which was once at heights of about $4.50 in August back in 2021, but currently hovers at around 67.5 cents. When the uh, takeover bid was announced, the shares had a notable increase, rising by 6% to 71.5 cents. And investors certainly seem optimistic about the potential offer, although um, there's a period now of time where the people aren't, they have to you know, consider the offer and not talk about it. The offer is at 68 cents, so <laughs> it offers a very small premium, half a cent, above the previous closing price. Mm, a little bit cheeky then. <laughs> yeah, and as you know, Kim, um, Pact is a major driver of circular economy projects, and you would know because Asahi and Coca-Cola, Europe Pacific Partners, um, those companies that you deal a lot with are involved in some of the circular PET projects uh, that are already underway. And we really would hope, and I would assume this would be the case, that any change of ownership or ownership structure won't de derail any of these initiatives already underway. We've had a couple of other acquisitions too on a smaller scale for an undisclosed sum. Melbourne-based flexible packaging specialist Filton Packaging, which is owned and run by Ryan Worthington and Lionel Phillip, they are owner-founders of the business, um, has bought Australian Contour Packaging, which is an Australian manufacturer specialising in flexible packaging. And these are contoured sleeves, you know those bags that you put you, you find in the supermarkets with um, where the that the herbs are packaged in um, and other bag solutions for like lettuce bags and you know all that lovely uh, fresh lettuce, fresh salad. Um, 
they're experiencing a massive boom in that or boom in demand for that sort of flexible packaging in that sector. And um, both businesses now are going to benefit from the synergies that this deal enables. ACP team members will become part of Filton Packaging. And their businesses are based in Melbourne, uh, down in Dandenong and Hallam. And um, they'll operate now under the Filton Packaging name. Well, there's been quite a few plant investments this month as well, haven't there? Yes, yeah, so um, other big news is, um, well, one of the, the plant visits that I went on, and it's a, a company that I knew very little about, and I know you love a good plant visit too, Kim. I can highly recommend this one. <laughs> This is Melbourne. Yes, I am, a, I am a fan. <laughs> you are a fan. In fact, I saw on LinkedIn that they've uh, they've um, put out an invitation. Yes, Kim, when you said I love a plant visit too, they said yes, do come along. So um, that's on the cards next time you're in Melbourne. So <laughs> it's a contract packing operation, Alipat Taylor. I hadn't even encountered them before. They've been flying quietly under the radar. Um, they are quite a significant player when it comes to supplying pre-packaged or packaged beverages uh, in bottles up until this point, it's all been bottling, uh, to big brands and small, and they also bottle some of their own products, local and export, by the way. They have now invested $25 million in an expansion to their beverage packaging plant in Preston with the installation of a new canning line, a large part of that canning line supplied by KHS, um, including the KHS Innerfill Compact C filling system, um, which is blocked with a ferrum SEMA, so back to back with a ferrum SEMA. The New line marks Alipat Taylor's first foray into cans. And Kim, you and I have spoken at length about cans because driving the can demand is, of course, growth in our friends, the ready-to-drink beverage yes. uh, sector. Australia holds that uh, a special love for the, uh, for the RTD, <laughs> which many of our beverage makers are embracing wholeheartedly. And, I mean, of course, cans uh, are being used now for waters and spritzes and kombuchas and you name it in sleek and slim and regular can sizes, all of which are now possible on this new line that uh, Alipat Taylor has put in. And this complements its already five bottling lines that it has there. Really quite impressive. Another plant expansion um, that's feeding into the or supplying the beverage industry and also other food sectors is a little company called BevCap, which is part of American company Tricor Braun. Now, Tricor Braun, a couple of years back, invested here in Australia through an acquisition of Cormac Packaging. BevCap um, is part of this Tricor Braun operation. And the project was a $2 million expansion, um, and they moved this, the facility and have added several um, injected molding pieces of equipment, and it is now nearly three times the size of its former site. So it is servicing the dairy, food, nutraceutical, and pharmaceutical customers, and it anticipates, particularly um, from the dairy and food sector, tremendous growth. It's got 16 injection molding machines spitting out these caps, you know, ranging from eight, 80 to 380 tons, um, and it's a wide, very wide range of caps and closures that it services. That's such a... Um, it's a niche, a project, isn't it? <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it, that growth is substantial, you know, for, for an investment of, of uh, that amount to the increase that it's going to bring the company is 
quite something. Really impressive. Well, another major investment that we've had in the food industry, and I think I'll let you talk to this one because I'm getting tired of my own voice, um, was, <laughs> was in WA for a, a meat processing company. Tell us more, Kim. Yeah, so um, MAP WA, it's spent $35 million on its Vibra Lake facility. It's doubled the capacity, but it's also enabled the installation of thermoforming technology from Multivac, which is going to reduce packaging waste for the outfit. Uh, so it, I think it does that, that packaging, it takes more of the trim off, like it reduces the amount that they have to then cut off the packaging as well. Uh, it included uh, $25 million in uh, robotics and other equipment, and it's increased their product lines from six to nine and doubled the factory's capacity to 400,000 kilograms a week. That's a lot of meat. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of meat. And uh, MAPWA was established in 2011, and it's actually a joint venture between Western Meat Packers Group, which is on our Top 100 Food and Drink Companies report, and uh, and Coles. So the factory supplies ready retail-ready chilled raw meat products to every Coles supermarket in WA and the Northern Territory. Now, this plant upgrade includes uh, features this modified atmosphere packaging technology from Multivac. What that does is maintain the visual, textural and nutritional elements of meat products for about twice as long as traditional packaging. So when you consider that they're supplying meat across the vast areas of WA and the Northern Territory, something technology like this is really important and a real benefit in terms of you know, ensuring the quality of the product and for, you know, as it is transported across those regions. Yeah, and as I understand it, this multivac thermoforming packaging machine is the first of its kind in Australia. And you mentioned earlier, Kim, it ru it's running a reduced edge trim, which reduces packaging waste. So we've got this double um, whammy as such, where it is working to reduce food waste by extending shelf life, but also reducing packaging waste on the line, which is you know, it is a, it's really where we need to be. And Multivac is just churning out innovation after innovation in the meat packaging, in the fresh, fresh um, chilled space as well. It's, it's really quite phenomenal. The other thing we're seeing more of, and um, it's really coming to a head this month, is really important conversations, Kim, that are going on in the market. Um, we've had several podcast conversations a little bit at the, towards the end of last month. We spoke to Tanya Barden, the AFGC CEO, about the National Packaging Recycling Scheme, which is um, a soft plastics initiative, which now this month we've, they, the AFGC has put on a... Um, Plastic Summit, a soft plastic summit, national soft plastic summit in Canberra happened this week. Media were not invited, much to my <laughs> dismay, but we did manage to um, use our connections and contacts, and we've, we have reported on some of the key findings that came out of that session, and that content is available on our website. The other important conversations that have been happening industry-wide have been driven by the Australian Packaging Covenant Organisation. As you know, recently, um, or earlier this year, government came out and said, okay, industry, enough's enough. We're going to step in and legislate. Um, meanwhile, the APCO 
targets had been reviewed by APCO themselves and they said there's no way we're going to meet those national packaging targets. It's time for a packaging reset. APCO called for a packaging reset. And um, as part of that process, APCO has now gone out to industry. It had town halls all around Australia and conversations with the whole of industry. And what emerged from that is a really strong support for extended producer responsibility and a really strong support for mandates around recycled content. All of this feedback, which was happening in real time at the events, is being assimilated by APCO. It's being fed back to government. It will inform the decisions that government makes around the mandates and regulations and what a new systems administrator body is going to look like in some shape or form, um, an APCO 2.0. I mean, I'm making those words up. That's not what they've said. But um, that is where we're aiming for. We're hoping that APCO will still be that body that looks after it, but that it has a lot more resources at its disposal to support the industry. Um, and I think on that note, um, positive as it is, we do need to wrap this up, Kim, because at my end of the day, it's time to go and cook dinner. At your end of the day, it's time to get going down to the pub or wherever you're off to in Bonnie Island. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, it is the beginning of my. Uh, it is the beginning of the day here. I think I'll. Um, I will actually be uh, putting together some stories for tomorrow's uh, food and drink today, and then I'm going to hit the, the pavement of Dublin and go and take in some sights. Well, um, I wish you a safe journey home. We can't wait to have you back and in our newsroom and take care of yourself. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, it's been great to unpack September's packaging news with you. Well, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Lindy. And thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can follow us in your favorite podcatcher to ensure you get every episode as they're released. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media. 